put y'all hands together and give a warm welcome to Johnny Aaron. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Views from the John podcast. I am your host, John Erez, and today's date is a Thursday, the 25th day of June, 2020. What up? All right. Hopefully, you've had a good week since we last spoke and saw each other. Uh, this might get annoying, but from here on out, I need to keep reminding you that if you're not watching this on YouTube, you can. So if you're listening on Spotify or Twitter or Apple, if you go over to YouTube and type in Reality Drip, that's Drip with a D, D D-R-I-P, Reality Drip, you will find my channel and you will be able to watch the last several podcasts in full video and audio. And you get to see what I look like in case you don't. But if you prefer to listen in your car, that's great. Uh, and I believe on Spotify and an Apple, if you click on the show details, there'll be a link right in there to click on that'll take you directly to the YouTube video portion of this podcast. So please, if you can, start watching on YouTube. And uh, if you could do me a huge favor and like the video, subscribe to my channel, and even uh, share it with your friends, uh, I would be forever indebted to you because nobody's going to know who I am unless, uh, you know, I start getting shared around the whole world, right? And I bring happiness to everybody, right? That's what I'm doing. All right, let's dive right into things. Um, I think we've all done this before, but I did it the other day, and um, I was cringing. Cringing. Not knowing what, if any, response I would get. But let's, let's see if this has happened to you. So I, I have my iPhone, and I wanted to text my friend Brett, right? So I believe I went into contacts when you first type the first letter of the person's name, like B for Brett, all the B's pop up, right? And then I hit R, the next letter in his name, and then all the people in my contact list that start with BR pop up. So I thought I had hit Brett, but I had actually hit somebody named Brenda. (laughs) And uh, this was Monday. Uh, Monday, I actually went clothes shopping. Here in Massachusetts, it was either, uh, today's Thursday, June 25th. So it was either Monday a few days ago, or it was the previous Monday that clothing stores within Massachusetts opened under the CDC guidelines. Uh, Not a place I was looking forward to going, but I've told you guys before, I needed clothes, okay? I've lost a lot of weight, none of my clothes fit me. I'm looking like I'm walking around uh, like a five-year-old wearing, uh, you know, their father's pants and shorts. Ridiculous, right? I had to go. So anyways, I decided Monday I was going to drive out to uh, like TJ Maxx and Marshalls. They usually got good specials on shorts, you know, high-end clothing for cheap, you know, looking to save a buck. So I went out there not knowing what to expect. I had my PPE, I had gloves and masks and, uh, you know, just was going to be as careful as I could. So I go into the store and I'm shocked. Uh, the first store I went into was either Marshall's or TJ Maxx. And I was shocked at the amount of people that were in the store. It was nuts. I mean, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and I know, uh, you know, everything is starting to reopen again, but 
literally the amount of people, I can't remember if it was Marshalls or TJ Maxx, it was one of those stores, but the amount of people in those stores uh, reminded me of what uh, Christmas shopping might look like a week before Christmas. There was that many people. Uh, the line to go through the cash register uh, things was uh, probably 30 people deep. And of course, there's social distancing. So uh, all 30 of those people had to stand six feet apart. So I'm literally like halfway in the back of the store. So uh, it was very interesting. So that first store uh, was just nuts, right? And then I go into uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, I don't know if Dick's are a national chain, but they're definitely in the Northeast. And uh, when I went into Dick's Sporting Goods, I literally had the store to myself. And I was able to find a couple pairs of shorts, a couple t-shirts. This is one of my new t-shirts. And uh, yeah, so anyways, getting back to the texting the wrong person. So I went to text my buddy Brett, right? Uh, text a lot of people and uh, I accidentally texted Brenda and what I meant to say well what I was gonna say to Brett I was like dude you have no idea how effing bad it is in these stores it looks like COVID never happens some people aren't wearing masks there's people coughing and sneezing all over the place it's a disaster and I was just like I was dropping f-bombs s-bombs C-bombs, I mean, the whole nine yards, because that's just how I talk naturally. Fuck, cunt, shit, you know, bitch, whatever, you know? Um, I'm not the most PC person. And that's what I texted to Brett. I thought that about a half an hour later, I looked down at my phone because Brett hasn't responded, and he's normally quick to respond, and I realized I had sent it to Brenda. And it, it, it's worse. Brenda happens to be the mother of one of my Little League players that I coached a couple years ago. So Brenda never texted me back. I don't know if she remembers me or maybe she deleted the contact, uh, my contact information. So hopefully she had no idea that it came from me. And if she did, she probably figured, you know, I never text her. I just had her number because she's one of my Little League players' uh, parents. Uh, hopefully she didn't know it was me, but if she did know it was me, I'm sure she understood that, uh, you know, we don't talk. I just had her number because, like I said, she was a parent of one of my kids. So, uh, but yeah, that has happened uh, to me multiple times over the years, but that was nasty. Sending one of my Little League players' moms one of these texts that's like, fuck, cunt, bitch, fucking people, and stores, fucking this. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I sent that to a Little League parent. And, uh... You know, it's texting has gotten crazy. I I don't like texting, but uh, I have a lot of text uh, going on right now, like big group texts with a lot of different groups. And every now and then, uh, you know, we'll be talking in our big group text, and there'll be somebody in that group text that'll really go rogue, and then some of us will start texting each other outside of that chain, right? Like. Are you hearing what this dude's saying? This dude's crazy. But every now and then, one of us, rather than replying just like on the side between like me and my friend Mark, it'll accidentally get sent to the whole chain. <laughs> so you might be talking to, you know, me, Mark, Keith, Brian, Dave, and Ron, right? We're all talking. And then like me and Keith or me and Mark want to text each other on the side about what's going on in the text thread. But by accident, we actually send it to the thread. <laughs> That's happened a couple times that I've gotten away with it because it wasn't too, too bad. But man, that was one of the worst uh, accidental texts I've sent, I think, in my life because it was just full of cunts, fucks, shits. It just, it was a complete rant about how 
crazy people are while we're still in the middle of a pandemic, uh, just uh, not following the rules and just how busy it was. It was nuts. I mean, I don't go shopping for sport. I literally needed uh, shorts like I needed uh, bread. So, uh, yeah, uh, now that I have enough T-shirts and underwear and shorts that fit me, and I just went grocery shopping tonight. I'm not going back out in public. I love hanging out with my friends at a social distance, but in terms of going into a public mall, now that I've gotten that stuff, eh -eh, no more. You want to talk about a cesspool. How big of a cesspool is your local mall? Honest to God. Um, I think uh, I, I, would, I would probably say better than 50% of the people that I know that have gone to our local mall or there's, there's a couple malls within a few five miles of here, two pretty big malls. And, uh, you know, if you go to one of our local malls or any mall in the country, there's probably about a 50% chance that you're going to come home from that mall with a cold or a flu. The mall is like a, a cesspool. It's like, a, it's like an airplane. And uh, I've always wanted to know, you know how they have those like scientific shows or like an investigative show where they take, uh, where they want to know just how dirty something is? I would like them to take those strips to see how many, uh, like, uh, how many strains of Ebola in like hepatitis C are on like the escalator uh, railings. You won't see me touch that. I'm a germaphobe. I'm a hypochondriac. And now that I'm a germaphobe and a hypochondriac in the middle of a pandemic, you know, I, I'm not too, too crazy. You, you know, you won't see me wearing a mask in the middle of the woods by myself because that just defeats the purpose. But, uh, yeah, when I go out in the public, I'm a little bit like, holy shit, I could catch this shit and I could, you know, get fucked up from it. But hopefully, I think I already had COVID. And once there's enough testing to go around, I'd like to be tested for the antibodies. But still, it is amazing to me that uh, nothing has changed with COVID compared to three months ago when everyone was literally afraid to leave their house. But now when you leave your house, you wouldn't even know that we're still in the middle of a pandemic, except for the occasional mask wearing inside of a public place. But after I saw the carnage that was inside of that uh TJ Maxx or Marshalls yesterday, where it was literally as busy as it would be during the peak of Christmas shopping. And some people weren't even wearing masks, even though it's a law. It's like rule, you know? So it's just unbelievable. The shit's just going to keep spreading. And then your grandma, grandpa, your dog are going to get it. And then, you know, I don't know. So it's just, it's crazy. But at the same time, uh, you know, we got to get back to our regular lives. And uh, I truly don't understand. I don't know if it's Trump's fault, but we can blame him anyways. But I just, I don't understand uh, with the trillions and trillions of dollars that we have that we're throwing at this problem. Why can't we just get a test into every American's hands? And if you have the antibodies for it, or if you've had it, you're good to go. And if you're sick or haven't had it, then you know you have to, you know, but it, it's time that every American be tested. And I don't understand why they can't do that. I have no idea. You know, there's so many things about this virus and how it's been handled by the CDC and the government that just further underlines a lot of conspiracy theories I have. And one of these days, maybe we'll go off the rails. Um, if you ever listen to Bill Burr, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist and so am I. And I don't even like to consider it uh, conspiracy theories because I know some of these theories are absolutely true. 
But um, this wasn't a topic I had written down. Um, I have just all funny, silly stuff to talk about today. But if you think for a second that there isn't a government behind a government behind a government that isn't doing and orchestrating stuff like controlling the media, controlling the population, I mean, some crazy nightmarish stuff straight out of the matrix is happening. And uh, I don't know. A naive mind, I guess, is a safe mind. So if you don't think that Bigfoot exists or aliens aren't real, there's no God, there's no hell, there's no miracles, there's no fate, then great. That's great. A naive mind, man, is a safe mind. Keep going. All right. Next thing, besides texting the wrong person, a horrible text. Uh, and I went clothes shopping Monday, which was a nightmare, but I'm happy to get that out of the way. All right, something we're going to start doing on the podcast is the old man moment of the week. I'm getting older. I don't consider 42 old, but when I was younger, I thought 42 was literally like crusty ancient, like just skin falling off, wrinkly old balls. And now to them 42, it's nothing like that, okay? So, uh, yeah, but as I'm getting older... There's like old man moments that are starting to pop up into my life and it sucks. But, you know, one of the way we get one one of the ways that we get through this kind of stuff is to talk about it and adapt and improvise and overcome, right? So, uh that's what we're doing. So last week's old man moment was rogue hairs and, and you know, hairs that grow several inches too long and in places they shouldn't be growing like I told you last week I had a 2-inch long eyelash that was growing uh, in a semicircle. So it was literally growing out of my face and then it grew right back into my eyeball. It was poking me in the eyeball. And then when I went to get rid of that hair, I ended up shaving off half of my uh, eyelashes. So this week's old man moment, and uh, I don't think this is a medical problem with me because I've had my prostate checked, but uh, when you get to be above 40, you start to pee a lot. Your bladder gets weaker. I don't know if you've experienced this. I don't know what age you are, but you start to pee a lot. Uh, my friend Josh, he listens to this show a lot, and I'm sure he's probably almost driving off the road right now because he can attest to how much I have to pee. I drink a lot. I drink a lot of coffee. I drink uh, at least a gallon of water a day. So I drink a lot. And when you drink a lot of coffee or you drink a lot of beer or you drink a lot of water, you're going to pee a lot. And when you get older, you have to pee even more. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe when I was 30 or 20, if I had the same amount of coffee and water I do now, maybe I'd pee four or five times a day. Now it's like 15 times a day. Um, remember that old nursery rhyme? This old man, he played one, he played knick-knack on his bum, whatever that one goes. I was going to write one about peeing. Like, this old man, he plays three, he gets up ten times a night to pee. <laughs> but yeah, literally, I will get up like twice, uh, like every two hours to pee. And uh, literally, it's a combination of uh, my bladder getting weaker and getting smaller as I'm shriveling and getting older. And it's a combination of uh, just drinking a lot. But uh, yeah, peeing a lot and having, you know, honest to God, dude, um, when I was younger in my 20s or whatever, we'd be like driving home from like Old Orchard Beach up in Maine. And I'd be with my buddies and we had been drinking all day and... Uh, 
you know, you might've had like eight beers and you have to pee worse than you've ever had before. But when you're at that age, you can hold it and you can hold it and you can hold it and you can hold it. But I'm telling you, when you reach 42 and you have to pee bad, you got to get to a bathroom because after 20, 30 minutes, you're probably going to be climbing over the back into the back seat to piss and to piss out the window or a bottle if your friends won't stop. But I'm telling you, as you get older, the hairs start to get rogue and you start to pee a lot and poop a lot. And I tell you, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. But what are you going to do? I can't stop myself from aging. So all I can do is just kind of chuckle at it and go, ha, I guess this is what happens, right? I'm getting older. So yeah, old man moment of the week, peeing a lot. If you haven't got there, you'll understand when you get there. All right. Excuse me. Every time I go to record this podcast, I take a shower beforehand. And for the next couple hours after I shower, I literally sniffle. I get stuffy. No idea why. Does that happen to you? Or am I the only one that gets stuffy after a shower? All right, we are going to stay on the topic of pee because pee seems to be a really prevalent thing that everybody deals with and not a lot of people talk about. But uh, peeing, uh, like I said, people get old, they have to pee more. But how many times have you gotten to a fight or an argument with your partner, maybe your mom, maybe your dad, your wife, your husband, whatever? Women don't seem to understand how guys get pee on the floor. And uh, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And uh, I had this conversation the other day with a lady friend of mine, and I showed her exactly how it happens. Because everybody has had this fight. I recently talked about it with a friend of mine that lives, you know, downstairs. Him and his wife argue about it constantly. It's just something. It's like women don't get how guys can pee on the floor. And let me tell you, I'm going to tell you how it works, okay? Sometimes guys do accidentally miss the toilet, okay? Even when you're holding your fire hose in your hand, and it's perfectly light in the bathroom, and you got it lined up straight to the toilet, sometimes it can literally go this way. Even though you have your pee-pee like a fire hose pointing right at the toilet, there could be something in your urethra or something. Maybe you had sex a little while ago and the pee can literally go this way, right? Girls don't get it. You girls sit down when you pee. So no matter which direction it might come out, it's going to hit the bowl. And then I hear some women and even some guys are like, well, every time I pee, I sit down and I'm like, there's no fucking way you do that. I want to see a guy. I won't believe it. There is no men out there that sit down to pee. I'm sorry. There isn't. Okay. But here's the thing. Okay. Guys are guys. Even when they are sober and they're pointing it right at the toilet, occasionally they can miss. But sometimes you might be three o'clock in the morning. Maybe you only have a nightlight on in the bathroom and you really can't see. And then you might miss because you're groggy or you could be drunk. Again, it's accidental, but it happens. It's like a fire hose that's just wild, you know? And even when you control it, it can still get out of control. But here's where it gets even more interesting, okay? And this has been proven, okay? Um, if you were to put up like a slow motion video camera and you film a man peeing into a toilet, even if he hits that toilet right in the middle, 
there is still like microscopic splashes that come out of the toilet and onto the ground. You can't help it. So even if the guy pees right in the middle and doesn't get a drop on the floor, the splash from the toilet gets it on the ground. And then another thing I was able to prove to my friend yesterday is that even if you don't pee at all, let's say she peed and she sat down so her pee didn't go anywhere but the toilet and then she flushes when you flush the flushing water makes a spray that goes onto the floor which could then emulate pee so it could be ladies that if you're upset at your man for peeing on the floor it might not even be his pee it could be your pee because even when you sit and pee and you flush that toilet some droplets from the toilet go onto the floor just from flushing, okay? So can you give us a break, ladies? We're trying here. We really do. When we occasionally pee on the floor, it's not like we went, ah, she's got to clean that up. <laughs> you know, we're not doing it out of spite. It's just something that happens. So even when you're uh, the best intention and you hit the bowl and you hit the water, there's going to be some that comes out. And even when you ladies sit down to pee and you flush, some still comes out. So... Can we make up and be friends now? When you go to clean the toilet and around it and you find a little bit of pee on the floor, you know, what are you going to do? Do you get mad at your cat when it accidentally poops on the floor or your dog? You know, stuff happens, man. We're humans. We're animals, okay? We do the best we can. Just give us a little bit of a break. Now, here's where it gets even more funny and more interesting. This has been a problem going around every household and every family, I think, for I don't know how many generations. My father used to get very upset at us kids for finding any kind of a pee on the floor. He wasn't a fan of it. And um, he also had this theory that the reason why guys got a lot of pee on the floor is because guys were self-conscious about hitting the water with their stream. They didn't they didn't want that noise. So a lot of guys will tend to hit the side of the bowl where there's no water, so it's more silent. That's a real thing. I used to have it. If it's like super quiet in the house and let's say somebody's bathroom is like right off their kitchen and everyone's sitting in the kitchen quietly, I'm not going to go in there and just like, you know, hit that toilet water like it's like it's a friggin' jet hose. You know what I'm saying? I want it to be quiet. I'm the same way. And guys, when they tend to kind of aim for the side of the bowl and not the water, then more spray can come out, right? So my father came up with this idea when we were little kids. And the idea actually isn't too bad. It's just the way he wanted, what he wanted to name the product didn't make it sound very good. But basically what he wanted to do was he wanted to have some kind of disposable, flushable, biodegradable, like, disc that guys would, like, take out of a thing and they would, like, toss the disc in the toilet and they would pee on the disc. And by peeing on the disc, it wouldn't allow any spray and it wouldn't make any noise. And you could flush it and it would be biodegradable and all that kind of stuff. And uh, over the years, I've thought, you know, that might not be a bad thing. And then we even thought, like, you could put, like, Donald Trump's face on the thing or maybe uh, your boss's face. So every time you went to take a dump or a pee, you could just throw a disc in the water that had Trump's face on it and piss and shit all over him. It's perfect, right? 
But where it went wrong, okay, is the brilliant name that he came up for this invention for guys to pee on and then flush, he called it the piss pillow. <laughs> a piss pillow. This is a pillow on my couch. Should I piss on it? Not a very good marketing name, but I think the idea was, uh, was decent. And uh, now that I'm just thinking about this, I probably shouldn't have even told anybody that because now someone's probably, watch. I don't know if any kind of invention like that exists out there, but if there isn't, mark this tape, okay? It's, I'm on the East Coast, it's 1.52 p.m. here uh, as I'm recording this on June 25th, 2020. John Ares and my father, Mr. Ares Sr. came up with that piss pillow idea. So if you see anybody uh, come up with that in the next couple of years, it came from my father's head about 35 years ago. But uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I had an idea like that once um, that I never, ever, ever uh, marketed or came up with because I don't know how to come up with like a like a prototype. But I had an invention that was going to uh, it was for a motion-activated toilet light. It was going to be a light that would stick inside the toilet via suction cup, and it would illuminate the inside of the bowl anytime it sent somebody was in front of it. And that, that thing didn't exist for years. Uh, three, four years ago, I started searching all over the Internet to see if that invention existed, and it did not. So I knew, okay, nobody's ever attempted this. And then I just kind of forgot about it. A couple years later, that product came out on Amazon, on eBay, and they're selling like hotcakes. And I'm willing to bet you any amount of money. I, honest to God, you talk to any of my friends, any of my family, I had the idea for that internal toilet light 20 years ago, and it never existed. And then a couple years ago, when I started to search the internet for if, to find out whether it existed or not, it didn't. But here's what I know, because I work in the computer field and I have an IT degree, what you can do is people can pay Google to figure out what people are searching for and there's no results coming back. So let's say somebody's, let's say somebody pays Google for a year's worth of information and they find out that someone's been searching for something that doesn't exist, then they're, then they're going to take that information and they're going to probably make it. I'm willing to bet you any amount of money. It might have not come from me, but somebody found that I or other people had been searching for this product and it didn't exist. And somebody that had the means and the drive and the money just went ahead and ran with it. And now they're millionaires. And uh, that's an honest to God, true story. So if you own one of those lights that sit in your toilet that activates when you walk in front of it at night to pee, I had that idea 20, 25 years ago. It never did it. That was my fucking idea. And I, you know, I, how do you do that? Like, like, let's say I came up with like the next greatest uh, umbrella or like the next greatest uh, ball bearing. How would I even go about making it and marketing it and selling it? I have no idea where to patent it. Nothing. So it's just, it's crazy. I've had so many ideas like that. And I, I'm sure you guys have too. And it's just like, how do you even get it off the ground? How do you even build a prototype if you don't have like a, like a, like a workshop or something? You know, it's crazy. So anyways, yeah, dad had the piss pillow idea. And uh, now, who knows, maybe a year from now, we will see a piss pillow for sale on Amazon. 
and uh, yeah, that, that, that'll just depress my father more. So th- good, good job, John. Way to give out your father's brilliant idea to the whole world on a podcast. Awesome. All right. Something else we're going to start doing weekly is would you rather? And uh, somebody sent me this question. I'd like to thank Nathan Seekonk. There's a Seekonk in Massachusetts. Is that your last name, Nathan, or is your last name Seekonk? It's either Nathan from Seekonk or his last name is Nathan Seekonk. But he said, would you rather? And uh, we're going to start playing this weekly. And the would you rather is, uh, would you rather lose your sight at, at midlife? Or would you rather, uh, what am I trying to say here? Okay. So let's pretend I'm 40 or you're 40 or you're 30, whatever age you're at. And let's say you had a choice. You either had to lose your sight or you had to lose your hearing. Which one would you pick? And uh, I've been thinking about that since, since Nathan emailed me. And I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, immediately, I'd like to say that I wouldn't want to lose my sight, right? Because then you... you like you can't see, you can no longer drive, you can no longer see your kids, your, your, like your family, your friends, you can't like look at the ocean, you can't enjoy a sunset, you can't look at the stars, all the things that we take for advantage. Like if you were to lose your sight right now, what would you miss looking at? That's why we all have to take a second every day and be like, shit, there's people out there who can't see, who can't hear, and here I am, I have 20-20 vision and I can walk. Let me enjoy just walking. Let me enjoy looking at the birds. Let's slow down for a minute, you know? So I don't know. I I would say immediately I wouldn't want to lose my vision, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to lose my hearing either because music has been such a huge part of my life, making it, playing it, and listening to it. Music has a direct connection, not to sound corny, but to my soul, you know? Uh, music can make the hair on my arms stand up, you know, music can make me happy, sad, uh, it, and to not be able to hear music anymore or make music anymore, uh, would just be crazy. So man, I don't know. Um, I'm, uh, God, that is a tough question. I wouldn't want to lose either one, man. I really don't. But I'm going to say just because of how much I love to hear music and stuff like that, I wouldn't be able to play music or listen to it or write it if I were to lose my hearing. So I would say I would, if I had to choose, I would lose my vision, which would suck because then I would never get to see a sunset, an ocean, kids, family, nothing ever again. But I wouldn't lose my ability to write and enjoy music. So that's what I would do. What would you do? Tough choice, right? You know, tough choice. All right, we're going to move on to another topic. This is a good one. This is a good one. This is one I thought of uh, driving home a little while ago from the grocery store. Another thing I hate doing. I go every 10 days, and I literally, um, I hate it. There's no other way to describe it. I I didn't enjoy going grocery shopping before COVID hit. And now that COVID's hit, it's just, ugh. It takes like three times as long and nothing works and you got to, I hate it. Can't, it's like 90 degrees out there. You know how hard it is to breathe in those masks? I couldn't get that mask off fast enough. It's like, damn. Yeah, it's so annoying. But listen, 
um, I was thinking about this driving home. And this is something me and my friends used to do in high school. And if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast, I've explained that me and my closest group of friends from high school, we wrote the book on comedy. Uh, when we were in high school in the mid-90s, there were no sketch comedy shows. Um, stand-up comedy hadn't become big yet. It was just starting, you know, like you could only get comedy on, like, tape, you know? So stand-up hadn't gotten big. There was no Chappelle show yet, no The State yet. There was no um, Mad TV yet. So me and my buddies, we were all just really silly, outgoing, fast, witty guys. And we would just roast each other. And we would come up with the sickest practical jokes and just fun stuff. And when we were that age, we didn't have video cameras. We didn't have cameras nothing so none of the shit that we did was ever recorded or nothing and i and i just think to myself man if if i had that same group of friends and we had the access to like cell phones and uh camcorders and uh editing software and youtube the shit we could have done but one of the things we used to do and uh, I don't know if we're the ones that originated this, but I've never seen or heard of anyone else in the country doing it. So again, you heard it here first, but this is the no-look honk, okay? So people, people love to be honked at, you know? Uh, you might be walking down the street with your dog and uh, somebody honks and then you look and it's one of your friends and you wave and you're like, ah, shit, there's Sharon, you know? It's a great feeling. So what we came up with in high school was the no-look honk. So me and my buddies, the picture of us, there'd be like five of us in a car, and we're just chilling down the road, and we see somebody walking, and I'll go to beep at them. And then when they look at us, we all look in the opposite direction and wait. <laughs> so these people are all excited, like honk, honk, and they look to see who it is, and they see an entire car full of people with their heads turned the other way looking at somebody else. It's called the no-look honk. Let's try it. When you get in your car, drive down the street, you see somebody walking on the, you know, walking down the street, you go to honk, they go to look at you, and you stick your hand and your head out the window, look in the other direction, wave it at somebody else, and they're like, I thought that honk was for me. <laughs> Try it, dude. I'm telling you. The no-look honk. Honk at somebody, and then when they go to look at you, you look the other way and you wave over here at somebody else or something that doesn't even exist. It was the no-look honk, and it made us absolutely laugh our ass off. And it's something I haven't done in years or even thought about in years. But I was just driving home earlier today from the grocery store. I saw a lady walk at her dog, and that made me think like about the no-look honk and how we used to do that. And I also happened to be right down the street from the high school that I hung out with all those kids in. Literally, the high school that I went to and had such a great time in my youth is, uh, I don't know, maybe like a two, 3,000 feet from where I sit right now. All right, let's see. I have talked shit for about 35 minutes, and that's what I'm going to keep doing, man. Um, there's really not going to be a set day each week for this podcast. Next week, you might find one on Tuesday, you might find one on Wednesday, or you might find one on Thursday, or you might not find one at all. When I feel like doing a podcast and I feel like I got the material for it, I'm going to do one, but occasionally I might skip a week. And let's not kid ourselves. It's not like I have 5,000 viewers that are looking at these things. So why am I wasting all my time on a podcast when I'm still at the open mic level of comedy? Speaking of which, in another couple weeks, 
comedy is going to start to reopen here in Massachusetts, and I cannot wait to get back on stage. You have no idea how much I miss it. I had this this giant revelation during lockdown that I was going about stand-up completely wrong. I thought being a fan of stand-up my entire life in watching people like Bill Burr was going to prepare me along with just my funny, witty nature to be a comic. And I, 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 I couldn't be more wrong. I was going about my material, my jokes, and everything completely wrong. And now I know that. I know what to do now. So now that I know what to do and what I was doing wrong, the only thing I have to do is get as comfortable on that stage as I am sitting here right now alone in my home. No matter which open mic it is or no matter which show I'm co-hosting or hosting or opening or middling, it doesn't matter. No matter where I am in the country, no matter how sucky or big the show or how much people are heading me or bombing, I need to go out on that stage every time in a good mood, not give a fuck and feel as comfortable as I do right now. And as long as I can keep and get myself into that mindset where I don't care. I don't care how much you think I'm funny or not. It's not going to affect me. I'm not going to go up there nervous or anything. And uh, you still do get nervous. I mean, the the people that know me go, dude, I don't know how you do it. Because it's not like you're Bill Burr and there's a thousand people in the crowd that paid 80 bucks to see you and laugh. These are people that don't know you. They don't want to laugh. So to get up there and to try it is like, holy shit, I can't believe you do it. And it's like, yeah, man. But... When you do go up there and you do make them laugh and you get off that stage, it's like a drug. But you're not on drugs. It's just a natural high from doing something exciting like jumping out of a plane. Go try it. There's open mics all over the country. You want to try stand-up? Go try it. Go see if you have the balls. Completely sober, no weed, no alcohol, to get up on a stage in front of a bunch of strangers and do stand-up. See how nervous you get. See if you can pull it off. So, like I said, I was going I was going about my act, my material, my topics, everything completely wrong. And um, now I know what to do. And now that I know what to do, it's just about practicing it. And it's about taking years and years and years. And eventually I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to be moving to New York City. And then hopefully I can make it in New York City. And then I'm going to be moving to L.A. I'm not giving up. My only regret is not starting my comedy career until I was 41 last year. And uh, obviously, whoops, sorry, I just hit the microphone. Obviously, with corona hitting, uh, every comic across the world hasn't been able to perform in three months and just started up last week. So, uh, yeah. So, I'm really looking forward to getting back on stage now that I figured out who I am, what my act's going to be, and it's going to be unique, it's going to be original, and... Um, Like I said, the more I do it, the more I'm going to get to a place where no matter how much I hate a certain open mic at a certain place at a certain time, I'm just going to go down there and fucking do it. I don't give a shit. I don't I don't need to get nervous about who might be there. I don't you know what I'm saying? It's just about practice, you know, Um, you know, let's say you're trying to become a professional golfer, right? And you keep going down to the driving range all day. And then uh, the people at the driving range are like heckling you the whole time. Are you going to let them stop you? No. Because I know the more I get on that stage, even if the people in the crowd don't laugh or don't hate me, 
I'm going to get better at it and get more comfortable at it. And then when I get in that groove, I'll start to make people laugh. Plus, I probably told you guys that where I do open mics is literally the most, one of the most hardcore liberal cities in America. And um, even though I'm independent, I'm kind of half Republican, half liberal. Uh, the material I was doing in this area, talking about gender identity crises and uh, race and religion and stuff like that, you can't do that in such a liberal area like this. So, but anyways, I think you can. It's just the approach I was taking at it immediately made people pull back. So I was literally going about everything I was doing in stand-up wrong, and I thought I was right, and I was wrong. And uh, I, I realized I was wrong just because that's what you got to do sometimes, even though there are books out there on how to write and do better for stand-up. You really just got to go do it. You can't emulate anybody. You got to be true to yourself. You have to go up there and not try to be funny, not try to tell jokes. Just be yourself, be relatable, and you have to remember to sell yourself. Um, your goal is to make the audience laugh, just like your goal as a car salesman might be to make the person buy that car. So in order to make those people laugh or to sell them on my joke, I have to immediately get them to like me and to trust me and to pull them in. And if I immediately walk out on stage going, I love Donald Trump, everyone in the crowd's going to be like, fuck you. It doesn't matter how I spin it. So there's, there's so many things that, you know, even me as a young comic wasn't clicking with, never mind young comics. It's a whole psychological like process into doing it. And I didn't get it. Now I get it. I just have to keep practicing it and keep getting better and more comfortable up there. And the only way I'm going to do that is by doing shows and open mics every night. But in this area, um, I don't have access to shows or mics every night, and everything's been shut down for months. So that's why once I get you know another year under my belt here in Massachusetts, um, I'm going to New York City. And I am going to be doing stand-up eight nights a week, 365 days a year until I either fall on my face or I make it. And that's just that. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting back out there and doing a lot of things, including stand-up comedy. I seriously miss it. I miss it a lot. And I have a ton of material, so that's great too. Uh, that's about all I got for today. I had a couple other things left uh, that I think would have been kind of funny and quick, but uh, like I said, I wanna keep this podcast short, every seven or eight days, quickly in, quickly out, keep everything light, keep it funny, no political bullshit, just light, funny, silly, that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, anyways, I hope everyone is doing great. Happy summer, happy Father's Day. And in case I didn't uh, wish it to you, if any mothers are listening, happy Mother's Day. Uh, this was my first year ever without a mother. So Mother's Day was tough for me. And there we go. See, Johnny Downer, jaded Johnny, bringing up some fucking bad shit towards the podcast. Yeah, let's talk about my dead mother. That's exactly what you folks want to listen to, right? Anyways, I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm giving myself a hard time. But listen, I'm in a great mood today. It's a Thursday. Grocery shopping's done. I got a new shirt on. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Summertime is here. I love summer. I live for the summer. So that's what you got to do, man. There's plenty of things in my life that I could get really depressed about right now. And I could go lay on the couch behind me 
and curl up into a ball and feel sorry for myself and have a terrible day. Or I could put a smile on my face, record a podcast, hang out with some friends and just make the best out of it. Which one do you think I'm going to do? The second one, because the second one gets you a lot farther. So, um, yeah, just be like me, man. As hard as life gets, you get one chance at it. Don't let a moment get by, man. Get out there and live. How good or bad your life is is a mindset, okay? And uh, that's all I got to say, man. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Views of the John podcast. I've been your host, John Aras, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much.